0: William Deverell's acclaimed first novel, Needles, which drew on his experiences as a lawyer, won the $50,000 seal award. Since then, he has published 12 novels, including Trial of Passion, published in 1997, for which he won the prestigious Hammett Prize for Literary Excellence in Crime Writing, and his first Arthur Ellis Award for Best Crime Novel. He's the creator of the CBC series, Street Legal. Welcome to the Bibliophile.
1: Good to be here.
0: We're talking about writing the book that you'd like to read and the fact that that is is such good advice to writers. I heard uh, Michael Connolly mention once that he writes about the things that scare him the most. Does that fit in with your uh, approach?
1: uh, Not really. I don't get scared easily, for one thing. I write the book that I enjoy and that I know my fans enjoy. And I get enormous amount of feedback in terms of emails mostly, but sometimes at readings, people tell me what they like about the book. They like the injection of humor I, I usually put in my books, for instance. And uh, when I say I also write for myself, I, I'll sit there and start chuckling at something that comes to mind, talking to my characters, and they're talking back to me and living in a community of people I love. I hope that's kind of reflected in the work I produce.
0: It's, it's wonderful to be able to live in a parallel universe.
1: And to have created it yourself.
0: As, as a participant and as a god.
1: I hate to say this, but the people I hang around with all day, those people in my mind, tend to be slightly more interesting than the real people in, in the world. But, of course, uh, they have to be, or people wouldn't find the books interesting. Uh, right, I tend to be a bit of an iconoclast and, and a hermit, I, I suppose, when I'm surrounding myself with people of my own imagination and enjoying their company now i am carrying on a relationship with a protagonist through a series of of recent novels i've never done that before and uh, enjoying seeing how he develops and all the troubles he gets into and living his life i never really thought i would ever create a series character even though every publisher i've ever worked with says you gotta have a series character if you're going to write within the crime genre Mm -hmm. But until uh, I guess it was *Trial of Passion*, all my books had been what they call in the industry standalones. And now I have Arthur Beecham, spelled a Beauchamp. It's an English, very very common word uh, name in in, in Britain. It, it looks as if it should be pronounced Beauchamp, and in French it is. But in England, if you look at the Oxford Dictionary, it's pronounced Beecham.
0: What What I'd like to do with our time together is to look at that exactly what you do when you write your books your crime mystery literary mystery is that how you i like that expression
1: i mean one of the prizes i i most value is the uh, Dasha hammond award for literary excellence in in that genre which is a you know a continent wide award and the other canadian writer to win it is margaret atwood unfortunately that doesn't take me out of the the crime writing genre, and I'm not regarded as a literary writer, that's that's Canada for you. We do tend to ghettoize uh, our, our writers.
0: Well, I think in the States, too, if, once you're labeled, you know, it's difficult to get out of that. You
1: know? Maybe so, but uh, in the States, they, they, uh, they will lionize their crime writers, and, uh, you know, you have a... You are the subject of... of studies in the New Yorker magazine and Harper's uh, r- <laughs> Canadian magazines uh, tend to disregard that's as, as part of the, the Canadian uh, culture in Britain of course they knight <laughs> the, the, their crime writers
0: but what, what is it about Canadian culture then yeah, there is
1: that because of, uh, uh, we are a small country and there was a kind of it goes back I think several decades right to the ni- 1930s when our libraries uh They had a kind of uh, popular fiction was put away in the corner and we weren't supposed to really look at popular books, books that people actually enjoyed reading, you know, because we were trying to build up a Canadian, not consciousness, but a Canadian sense of culture, and we concentrated on that rather than reading books for the pure thrill and joy of reading. And we got lost in that kind of snobbishness, and it's a, I suppose it's a kind of a colonial attitude that Canada suffered from.
0: It's almost more, like they're trying to be more British than the British. Yes, right?
1: but we would read uh, the American British pulp stories like crazy, you know, mm. and, and uh, that would be our, our, our escape if we wouldn't be caught dead reading. In terms of uh, crime fiction, science fi- uh, fiction, Other genres, Canada ended up slipping far behind the Americans, the Yanks and the Brits. Just in terms of
0: celebrating
1: it. Yeah, in terms of celebrating it. In terms of creating uh, that kind of genre culture, we're slowly... I mean, When I first started writing novels, I think Needles came out in 1979. I don't think there were maybe more than one or two writers in Canada writing in that genre. Thriller or crime fiction generally... And Needles was a pretty hard-boiled thriller that shocked the public. The reviews I got were, oh, we don't do this in Canada. There's a fair bit of blood and gore in that book and more than any other since. Uh, I feel sort of responsible for shocking Canada into the fact that we can do this, we're allowed to do this and we can enjoy reading books that have uh, crime themes.
0: Let's get into specifically what makes it a crime, mystery, literary mystery, novel work. I'm just going to kind of run through some of the areas that I think make it work, starting with plot progression, a series of reversals and recognitions, breakthroughs and catastrophes. The reader wants to know what will happen. And as an example, at the end of a chapter, one might write, that night they dragged the river. End of chapter. Specifically, when it comes to reversals, recognitions, breakthroughs, do, do you do anything with that?
1: Well, I mean, that is a part and parcel of the crime book, but I, I pretty well organize my, my plot before I even write chapter one. It was a dark and stormy night. I know how it's going to end, by and large. I build my reversals into, into my outline before I start writing as many as I can. It's still an organic process, and, and as you write along, you come up with another idea. And can you I, give us some examples <laughs> of reversals,
0: big ones in your...
1: Well, I'll just uh, go right back to Needles, my fir- 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 first novel. And this was written pre-computer, so uh, on a typewriter where you have to write a clean page every time. Well, my protagonist in that book originally was an alcoholic prosecutor who was prosecuting uh, a a serial killer who was involved in the heroin smuggling in Vancouver's East End and uh, throughout British Columbia, a very, very wealthy uh, man. And halfway through that book, I realized, hey, it's going to make it a lot more interesting for the reader if my protagonist, instead of being... A prosecutor who is a drunk is a prosecutor who is a heroin addict himself. Mm-hmm. And then you you have that relationship between the pusher and uh, and the, the junkie who happens to be the hero of the book, and he's grappling with his addiction. You have to rewrite that whole, the first half of that book, to make that work. And so, you know, that is a kind of... Uh, if you call it a reversal it was a reversal for me but that's, that's an example of uh, you know uh,
0: does that does that come out uh, right at the beginning or is does his but habit come out
1: chapter 3
0: when you mentioned that I was immediately reminded of the governor of New York Spencer yeah, yeah. Who, who kind of clamped down on a prostitution and yet yeah. here he was a, a frequenter of yeah, the brothel.
1: Yeah. My character is a lot more sympathetic than Spitzer, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm writing a book about politicians right now.
0: <laughs> that's part of the series, right?
1: Yes, the Arthur Beecham series. The one that's just come out, Kill All the Judges, is uh, a sequel to April Fool.
0: And that won the uh, Ellis... Uh, that
1: won that the Arthur Ellis Award, Best Crime Fiction. The next book, as yet untitled... But I'm working on it. But it's set in Ottawa, is a sequel to this one, "To Kill All the Judges," and the reason for it being set in Ottawa is that uh, in the course of my creating my protagonist, Arthur Beecham, and his relationship with his ecologist neighbor, then wife, Kill All the Judges" have been married several years she's a tree hugger a tree sitter a demonstrator and he's a bit of a conservative old fart and and there's a dynamic there that works very well and this book kill all the judges she is that's um, not the main story the side story is that she's running for parliament for the green party hoping and ultimately obviously gets elected so i can set my next book in ottawa arthur beecham has, has to be dragged kicking and screaming to Ottawa, hates the thought of it, politicians, the weather, the whatnot. <laughs> and so I'm having a lot of fun with that one.
0: Yes, it's sort of uh, opposites, opposites attractor.
1: Ah, in, in character, uh, that's very important, it uh, seems to me, to, to create a dynamic between characters who we may even love each other, but pull in different directions. And, uh, I've done that with the most of my relationships throughout my books. Well, we, we were talking about the dance of Shiva, and, and the lawyer in that case is, has, has sort of quite a tug and a pull with his his partner and so forth. Maybe that's because I've had, enjoyed the same relationship with my wife over the years, but one has to create conflict, even if it's friendly conflict, in almost every uh, genre of literature.
0: One of the things that, that often works better is instead of having right and wrong going up against each other, having right and right going up against each other. You ever experimented with that?
1: Two versions of rightness. Well that's what politics is all about, isn't it? You've got various political parties with who believe they are are doing the right thing, and I have a in the book I'm working on right now, a prime minister and an opposition party leader and a green party leader who all really believe in the positions they take and the philosophy they hold, and they're in vast conflict. So, yeah, that's uh, entirely workable. And, and in my courtroom you. scenes in, in various books, one has a prosecutor who really believes in the rightness of his or her cause, and the defense counsel who takes an opposite position.
0: And hopefully believes in the rightness of their cause.
1: Obviously, you, or should, should. I mean, all any, any lawyer worth the salt has got to believe that he or she is doing the right thing
0: moving along with the, the, the plot here incompletions that imply later completion questions that are eventually uh, answered dangers proceeding to safety or disaster examples of that in your work
1: well I don't know that if, if I follow a, a formula that would comprise those various techniques that I'm sure are common to many crime books I do love to play around with those recipes in a different way I've done so with a couple of books kill all the lawyers and kill all the judges in which I have a lawyer who's trying to write his own mystery book he does so and kill all the lawyers uh, he is following a, a kind of recipe from a, a book called "How to Write a Who Done It."
0: This is fiction within fiction. This is
1: fiction within fiction, mm-hmm. and the fiction uh, that my character is writing echoes the actual story. And here, here, this is, for instance, and this is a very early page of "Kill All the Judges." In one typeface, I include his, his effort of, at a first chapter, and then we go into uh, my description of his his struggle to to write this. Uh, if you don't mind my just Please. reading this paragraph. Mm-hmm. As Brian reread that ghastly paragraph, he felt a Pavlovian shock, the kind administered to a rat making a wrong turn in the maze. Ever since he'd installed Horace Widgen's program on his hard drive, Secrets of the It, 5998, he'd been getting these little jolts, not painful but persistent. The sensible part of him believed there was a short circuit somewhere in his ugly, glowing purple E-Mac. In his fantasies, he imagined Widgeon was pressing a Zap Pomeroy button on a supercomputer in his cottage in the Cotswolds. Yes, Brian had mocked the legendary creator of the Inspector Groudin series, his mentor from afar. In the section titled, The Author as Soothsayer, Widgeon instructs, Do not predict. I find myself forever in despair that so many beginners subscribe to the little-did-he-know school of composition. Let this historic and holy injunction be your guiding light. Just the facts, ma'am. And and that is, uh, and I so I run that kind of theme throughout the book. When I first introduced Hector Widgeon and his Art of the Whodunit with in Kill All the Lawyers, I was getting questions at... Uh, Various readings or from emails. Where can I buy a copy of Mister <laughs> <Just> Wiggins' <laughs> book? <laughs> <Yeah>. So, uh, <laughs> so many
0: writers do that. I know that. Yeah. The, what's his name? Dean Kunz wrote yeah. "How to Write a Bestseller." Yeah,
1: yeah. And so anyway, so I have created all my own little injunctions and p- and pieces of advice. But most are you, are of which are, fun? are
0: you poking fun?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. poking fun. Yeah. But at the same time, the advice is usually pretty good. You know, it's, it's, it's reliable advice. I, it, if you want to write a stock yes. mystery, a stock whodunit,
0: and what is the advice
1: then? Well, uh, you come up with a uh, a good plot, a strong character. Uh, you have to build your various twists into it and uh, prepare the reader for a shocking end. Yet satisfy him. You've got to satisfy the reader. He's got to have a t- tummy filling sense of completion at the end of the book, and essentially that's. That's it. Uh, that's, that's a kind of standard recipe for a uh, standard whodunit. But you've got to get beyond that. That's the thing about writing uh, books within that genre.
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, if it was easily done by simply picking up a how-to book, then everyone would be
1: doing it. Yeah. You know? That's what we're that, trying to get at here. I have to say this, that uh, you know, the vast majority of books written in that genre seem to have come out of that kind of cookie-cutter, how-to-write-a-whodunit mold, and I've read so many, and I've been a judge in lots of fiction contests involving crime books. It's as if they've sat down with uh, you know, how to write Who Done It, and followed almost mercilessly the pattern set out for them.
0: But what makes yours different?
1: Well, um, first of all, I do inject a lot of humor, and I, I, I do that because I just enjoy humor, and most a lot of books. I'd say by, by by far the majority of, of, say, mysteries, crime books, do not inject humor. I mean, humor... Yeah, people love to sit around and chuckle and then be maybe stirred a little bit. I invest my characters with character. I do try to create rounded, interesting, unique, sometimes bizarre characters, but believable. You know, mm-hmm. people who are credible. You know, again, a lot of mystery books don't do that.
0: Uh, There's one thing about the antagonist. You have to build a character that's worth going after, that's interesting and complicated, but who makes all of the effort that the protagonist is going through. Worthwhile and believable, as you
1: say. Yeah, or or the groups of antagonists. Sometimes it's not. You don't really, in, at least in my in my work, you don't necessarily have just an antagonist. It's not. You're not pitting hero versus villain. It is simply an effort to save a, a client from the system. You know that is. Being wrongfully accused and wrongfully prosecuted and by by the court system. So there's there may not be one single bad guy, but the judge might be a bit of an asshole, and the prosecutor might be uh, going for the throat too much and that sort of thing. But you, you know, a good thriller or, or uh, a mystery shouldn't necessarily have, just have to have a good guy bad guy mm-hmm. situation. And your good guy's got to be flawed properly flawed. He cannot be just a your typical cynical. Uh, private eye, you know, with this uh, bottle of whiskey in this, in this drawer sort of thing, that, that that typecast hero.
0: I suppose that might have worked with Dashiell Hammett. But worked but back then, because
1: then these were the, the, the original creators.
0: Now they're caricatures.
1: Yes, yeah. very much so. I mean, it worked back when they were created. Uh, but then everyone sort of jumps in and follows that uh, that model. My, my Arthur Beecham is a uh, kind of a failed human being. That's what people really they can identify with a, with a guy who's a he's an alcoholic. He has sexual problems. He can't get it up half the time. He's full of self doubt. Classically educated. Hates the courtroom, but he's great in the courtroom. That sort of thing. And a great book within that genre has to have that kind of complexity of character to work and that as you ask me what do i think makes my books stand out if they stand out is i think mainly that is the character creation process
0: the humor and the and the complexity complexity. yeah the depth
1: of the depth of character and proud of my twists i love the big surprise ending love to play with the reader
0: asking the how what when why continually and then satisfying them as you go along
1: yeah i guess so i don't know about the the what the how is important in many cases the who is ultimately important and who done it say that half of my novels are kind of courtroom dramas and so it's the uh, the big question is is the what what is the verdict going to be or how how does arthur get him off or in the case of my protagonist as a prosecutor, how does he get this bad guy? And I do have a, the advantage of having been a criminal lawyer for many, many years, and uh, so I know how the system works. And so.
0: And you must have gotten some pretty decent stories from the real world.
1: Oh, obviously, obviously, yeah. and and but as a result, there's a verisimilitude to my courtroom scenes. They, they do, I hope, seem natural because I've been there. I know what I'm talking about, and I've had, you know, as. A defense lawyer all sorts of junkies and hookers and you know dealers and fraud artists bunco artists so I know these people and I can incorporate them much more easily into my books than most writers who haven't had the advantage of that experience the other
0: successful crime writers are as you say the ones who have been involved in the process in the real world I'm thinking of police officer James O'Born as someone who's
1: yeah, or Actually, crime reporters. Yeah. Conway was one. Yeah, it it really helps having that kind of background.
0: You want to talk about time here? Do you use the Batman approach? We've only got a limited amount of time to achieve a certain task. That's that called that's <laughs>
1: called the clock. You're working on a clock. Yeah. You, it's a TV series. Twenty four hours is called. You've got, yeah, before the bomb goes off. or the, uh, I've done that in a number of books. Uh, it it keeps the reader glued. Sometimes it doesn't work within the context of a, a, of a novel. I usually have a situation where you are trying to beat a deadline or you're running up against the clock. And uh, Arthur example. Beecham and kill all the judges, for instance, has been resisting taking on this defense of this uh, poet who's accused of murdering a judge until the very last minute when the original lawyer who was this guy trying to write the book has a total nervous collapse in the courtroom and he's suddenly thrust into this thing with three days preparation to get ready for this trial and so he's got to deal with the clock there he's got the judge who's rushing him through it and that sort of thing so you can play with the clock in different ways you have uh, in one of my novels mecca i have a an explosion is going to occur within a certain amount of time, and you've got to beat that clock. You've got to rescue these people with, uh, within that time. So it's a device that is works within the context of a certain kind of plot, but maybe not others. What's a certain kind of plot. A plot where you've got to do something within a certain amount of time to resolve a situation. When you're dealing with a trial, a trial will kind of plot on at its own pace. And, you I know. mean, some of them can take years. Yeah, mine never do. I want
0: to quote or misquote Chekhov. Chekhov talked about a gun. If you see a gun on the wall in the first act, then it must discharge in the third Do you uh, hang any guns on walls early on?
1: I think that may be truer of a play than it would be of a novel. In a play, you have maybe three acts, in total two hours to do something with that gun. I don't think that's necessarily true of a a novel. Maybe Uh, metaphorically, though. But metaphorically, if you set up a situation Mm -hmm. in an early chapter... And you spend some time with it. The reader is going to feel cheated unless that situation is resolved at some point. Why did this writer, you know, talk about uh, having to get tickets to travel to Timbuktu? He never goes to Timbuktu. Yeah, you're irritated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, but I'll do that. I'll set something, up, but I'll make sure, damn sure, the reader isn't cheated. Yeah. That that situation is resolved. And it's very, very meaningful. I, uh, when somebody uh, reads something that seems a little bit out of context within the novel early on, I, w- I want that reader to know, and, and if he's read me before, he or she will know, that that is of some significance. Yeah. And they'll keep it in, in their mind. That uh, uh, you're not putting things in gratuitously. Yeah, yeah. there. There's a great
0: line, uh, Orbe's... This line about every detail is an omen and a cause.
1: That's a good line. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. At least an omen. Details are um, are there for a reason. I do not like to read, you know, detailed descriptions of place or a scene in a room unless it has it is setting something up in my mind that's important for what what comes later. Uh, Some significant details like. You know, the uh, a piece of statuary, or you know, uh, the phone keeps ringing and nobody answers, something like that. Yeah, or an empty chair. Or yeah, yeah, chair. but they there has to be payoff.
0: Now that we're quoting famous authors in uh, in Oedipus, the, the messenger from the past and the news that causes a a, a reversal or a or a reappraisal of you. You use that sort of technique or a discovery that something's someone is someone that you didn't realize to me oh then well
1: it is that sounds uh, almost a little occultish but uh as you will r- recall from uh, the dance of shiva, shiva yeah. uh shiva who is uh, this guru like figure is in fact sending messages to the lawyer who's defending him on this murder that are messages that seem to come out of nowhere mysteriously and um, I don't often work within areas that are not really kind of fact-based and uh, Well, depend- for
0: example let's let's say someone finds out that they're they're not uh, the offspring of the person that they they thought they
1: were yeah where i've worked that theme in, in a book called slander the hero is a young woman lawyer civil rights lawyer who uh, was adopted but only discovers this in the course of a long battle with uh, a judge she's accused of raping her and so uh, yeah yeah that is uh, i've <laughs> Not a lot of work in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And again, that that uh, the, the reader, along with the character, is surprised.
1: The reader had better be, because the the, the 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 character drags the reader along with her, and uh, the, the character, in a sense, becomes the reader. If you've created a strong character, the reader will identify. With that character and be be her, be him, so we'll share the surprise or the exaltation or the despair.
0: Yeah, or the or the, the go through the crisis and mm-hmm. then experience that yeah. transformation.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you know, when that happens, you know you've been successful as a writer. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know that because you get feedback from the readers.
1: I do. I get lo- loads of uh, emails. That being the. Um, form of uh, transmission of views uh, that is de regard today I, especially after a book comes out I know I'll get a flood of emails usually more when there's uh, the paperback comes out in New Year's time but the paperbacks outsell like hardcovers 10 to 1 uh, but the more perspicacious reader will buy the hardcover uh, especially you know my, my hardcore fans some of them just love to not only you say, well, oh, there's a wonderful book, but on page 432, you mentioned uh, Slater Street, meets with whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so it you it <laughs> and it doesn't yeah they love to do that <laughs> so but then you tell them <laughs> wait
0: a minute this is fiction
1: no uh you can't get away with that because <laughs> you I, I am particularly uh take great pride in and being accurate uh, particularly with my ge- geographical locations and so forth Where i get i got a letter from my from a weatherman complaining about how i described a front coming in for instance you know i so you, kind of, you would not believe the stuff you have to research uh, writers dread and should dread getting that kind of uh, uh, um, e- email you know. it's I mean, funny you though
0: because I, I read somewhere that uh, Wayne Johnston uh-huh. the uh, land author did exactly what, what you uh, King Street met up with yeah. John Street and, right. and it doesn't in yeah. the real world but his, his defense was that, that it just sounded much more poetic The way that he had composed he composed it and so he didn't feel like he had to justify
1: I think that's a pretty weak defense you could come up with another two streets to sound even more poetic and get away with it but uh, I you know I I it's it is fiction but I I still uh, you can be forgiven the odd typo because it's not your fault (laughs) (laughs) that's the editor copy editor's fault Get the year wrong or something, and happens. But uh, you, you've got to try to avoid those things because one little glitchy thing, and you can yeah. you can turn a reader away from you.
0: Yeah, you sort of undermine the, the yeah. contract. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's right. The contract you have with your reader.
0: Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, suspense has been described as as being cre- uh, created by uh, by promises made and kept.
1: Promises made and kept or not kept I should think I, I don't know.
0: well waiting for the second shoe to drop for, you know foreshadowing and
1: climax mm-hmm. and, um, as you said before if you,
0: you make a, a habit of making sure that you do keep the promise or you do if you're going to put a detail in then you're going to explain there, there's, there's,
1: there's one exception to that uh, when one might not drop the other shoe in the course of a book, that is if you are writing a, a series, my last novel, April Fool, ends with a uh, an unresolved question: Will Arthur and his appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada save this beautiful area from being clear cut by developers? Uh, that's left up in the air and resolved in the next book. Yes, okay. <laughs> Again, like Batman, the next episode. Yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right. And that, uh, that is a technique I've only uh, uh, resorted to using since I've created the this, this series character, of yeah. course. Yeah, allows you to do that, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so
1: to be continued. Well, in a sense, but you don't... Yeah. N- your main story, of course, you've got to resolve. But a, a side story, such as the, uh, the environmental story in April Fool, maybe 15% of the book. So you can, you can leave the reader hanging on that one.
0: What about seduction? If there's an attractive woman that shows up early on that one of your characters has an interest in, that's a pretty good way of keeping uh, readers interested, whether or not he's going to su- successfully seduce her or not, or vice versa.
1: Well, I don't know if it should be issue of seduction, but a little less uh, basic, just romance, or so whether there is a uh, you know a coming together affectionately between people. Uh, I've often done uh, worked from a, not the opposite premise, but a different premise: a couple that are together, struggling through a relationship as the book progresses, maybe breaking apart or n- not being able to resolve it. And I've done that through uh, through several novels when I think about it, and including The Dance of Shiva, Mind Games, which a couple of books ago, the protagonist, who's a forensic shrink, breaking up with his wife at the beginning of the book and struggling through that, uh, throughout, and I have Arthur Beach struggling with this relationship with his uh, eco-sensitive environmentalist wife constantly Mm. through books. But
0: how does that keep the uh, reader turning the page?
1: They wonder if they, because they love both these people, you know. They want the relationship to work. They want them to resolve their difficulties. It's a situation far more readers can identify with than the simple seduction of one person of another, you know. Most readers are mature. Have been through relationships. Are struggling through relationships, and they they say, What well, God, Please. Arthur, why yeah. don't you bring her flowers?" You know, or what <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. or you know, Margaret, why are you so stubborn about this? And yeah. for me, anyway, that works better than a uh, simple, you know, are they going to end up in bed together kind of scenario? Uh,
0: can you give us some examples of foreshadowing that you would have used? Of what kind of? Well, I think of I think of uh, Macbeth and the witches.
1: Oh. Setting up an atmosphere that would... Uh,
0: setting up an atmosphere, or planting a <laughs> seed, or...
1: Let me think, uh, in... Uh, yeah, well, all right. Obviously, lots of examples, and if I just use my, my current book, kill all the judges for that. We have Brian Pomeroy, this uh, lawyer who obsessively wants to write and publish Who done it In the course of his writing it, he is clearly foreshadowing events you know and then the portions of his manuscript that I that I quote from he's clearly foreshadowing events that will occur but occur in a slightly different way than he
0: in the real world yeah Yeah. in
1: in reality I love that technique of it you know the book within the book but the readers wonders is this actually going to happen? or you know? And then a technique that allows you all sorts of a- areas for built-in twists and surprises.
0: The beginning of uh, Farewell to Arms starts off the leaves fell early that year, foreshadowing uh, early death. Do you ever uh, go with that kind of metaphor?
1: Probably not. I don't consciously open a book with any kind of Sense of how the book may conclude or develop uh, in that way. I'm not one of those persons, I love that line, but I'm not one of those persons who will spend days, weeks, months on on an opening sentence to a book. Mm -hmm. I just like to kick in and get something going.
0: You you don't, for example, you, you wouldn't use
1: seasons to or it was a you know a dark and stormy night was it which is the ultimate uh, kind of cliche and foreshadowing you no know? <laughs> yeah
0: you know, we talked a bit about withholding revelation or sort of doling out or gradually unraveling uh, the story and you know, for example a woman may not be she may be very beautiful but she's not married and maybe a, but later on you find out that well she's been left by a lover and that lover was killed in a war or something
1: well I think in a mystery book uh, you can't avoid doing that especially you're, you're creating a mystery so you cannot give everything away about a person uh, if it is a, a whodunner or even a, 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 a trial drama a courtroom drama such as mine you have to slowly paint a picture of a uh, person who might be the ultimate culprit, the black hat. Uh, you cannot give everything away. Mm-hmm. And even with with your with your hero, you want to just slowly paint a picture. Uh, you know, wait till you're about chapter three or four before you maybe give a give away a very important clue as to whatever trauma or neurosis that uh, he or she may be suffering from. Chapter four, you find that the person, walks up five flights of stairs before he'll take an elevator, for instance, you see. And that, now you understand why he seems a little bit neurotic earlier on.
0: You changed somewhat your focus when you wrote Trial of Passion. Are you trying to escape this genre? or I
1: guess you that's, that really says it fairly bluntly. I, uh,
0: and perhaps you could talk about the, the you know, the differences and why, why you... You know,
1: Trial of Passion, and then was followed, I think, by Slander, and even the Laughing Falcon, I didn't kill anyone off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're getting, in your old age, you're... you're
1: well, you know, th- uh, it's, it's losing just... you're
0: bloodthirsty... Uh,
1: no, I was, in fact, trying to escape the chains and the bindings of, of the crime genre... Yeah. and with uh, Trial of Passion and there was definitely a, a, a crime or alleged crime it was a rape it was a kind of uh, allegedly uh, sadomasochistic uh, encounter between a law professor and a, a student but without any great violence you know I thought okay here finally is a book that is more literary than crime it's a relationship book you know and, uh, and I hoped that would break me out of a of the genre ghetto, <laughs> and it ended up winning me two prizes for crime books. You know the Arthur Ellis Award in Canada and <laughs> the, uh, the the North American <laughs> Dashiell Hammett Award for literary excellence in crime books, and I kind
0: of ironic,
1: and it did. And so it, what 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 it told me is they weren't going to let me go. They weren't going to let me leave. The people who judge these things. They, they saw me trying to wiggle out, wiggle away, and they weren't going to let me, and I kept trying with Slander and with uh, The Laughing Falcon.
0: But, but surely you could write a novel that has absolutely nothing to do with crime.
1: Well, I suppose I could. I suppose I could. I mean, I'm writing from my strengths as a former criminal lawyer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As a... And, uh, I was a journalist before that. I, I could, but i write as good a book. Mm-hmm. if I were to do that if I were this to write you're a, trying
0: to find out yourself.
1: Uh, would I write a, you know I mean do I want to write a kind of typically Canadian book about the trauma of a young man growing up in the prairies with acne in his face it does not seem to me the sort of book that uh, would entertain me mm-hmm. or my fans I don't want to disappoint them so I'm not going to kind of make the big jump and write some tedious, uh, but allegedly uh, a piece of literature uh, just to s- say I can do it. Uh, you know, I might well. I, uh, if I If I can get the right story. But it's still going to be... A, it would still have to be full of drama. It would still have to be full of, of, of twists. And it would still have to be... Uh, it
0: would contain all of the, the, the elements that, that make it a page-turner and something that's yeah. going appeal to readers.
1: Yeah, and, and it will probably still be set in the crime section of the bookstores. Because I'm there, and, and it, it just seems there is no escape. But, uh, but fair enough. At least, uh, you know, as, as I mentioned to you, I, get, I, I got the odd complaint from especially American publishers, this, this book is too literary for the genre, and they don't want to put me outside the genre. But if I can elevate the genre to a level of high literate con- content, I'm happy to do that. You see, the the the
0: crime novel that that I think is the greatest that's ever been written is *Crime and Punishment*, and yet no one, no one puts that in the crime genre section.
1: Yes, uh, uh, yeah, and it's the first also psychological crime thriller, uh, and uh, you know Raskolnikov with his tortured self, who becomes the victim of his own crime. You're right, That's still almost an unbeatable crime novel. There have been lots of writers who have written crime-oriented books who simply will never be thrust into that genre. But you'll never find crime and punishment in the, in the, in the criminal bookshelves, no. or the libraries or the uh, bookstores. Bookstores need to do that.
0: They don't. Yeah, you know, they need to know where to put yeah. stuff. Yeah. your readers know we. Yeah. Where to f- need to know where to find you.
1: Hopefully, they will find me in, in two or three different sections of a bookstore. But uh, by and large, they'll know they can find me in, in, in the crime section.
0: And they can find you on the internet too. You have your own website.
1: www.devrel.com. It's pretty easy to find. Yeah, easily googled as well. So I'm all over the joint there.
0: And they can rent your fabulous
1: uh, villa down in costa rica yeah i've got a little uh, link to that and my website i try to s- i try to spend as much time down there as possible but sometimes it's hard book coming out this month i've got to be in canada at
0: least it's not december or february well
1: I've i guess been, you were here though i was here in february <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so we, we try to keep it occupied and I do uh, encourage uh, writers. I give a uh, 15% reduction to anybody who writes or uh, is a member of any kind of like reading club and that sort of thing, artists, ecologists, environmentalists. Um, don't make any money writing you know. but I you know, I keep sure, it occupied. The house is ready for us when we get down there.
0: Just finally, uh, have you achieved what you wanted to achieve in your life and in your
1: writing? Well, in my life... Probably not, but my life has changed. You know, there was a point in my life where I wanted to be prime minister of Canada. I ran for parliament a couple of times, huh? and there was a point in my life I wanted to uh, edit a newspaper. Have but all those dreams kind of paled under the one, one lofty goal of being a writer that I had since I was, I can remember, a teenager. I was going through some my effort at a journal when I was uh, 14 years old one time and that's in my archives now at the University of Saskatchewan just an old kind of most chewed scrapbook it was and I had written this pompous 14 year old phrase I am going to be a great writer one day and it it is (laughs) and uh, write
0: it down to make it happen
1: I did write it down and then you know and then there's this long interregnum where it never happened and it never happened and I didn't believe it was going to happen and I became a lawyer instead because I I could make that happen Mm -hmm. how many chances does someone get to be a writer who actually sells books and can make a living out of it especially in Canada especially in Canada so I just put that aside but just the dream wouldn't go away I think I was about 39 years old when I they dragged it out of the closet, dusted it off, and said, "I'm taking off," and went off to the Gulf Islands and wrote needles. Won fifty thousand dollars for that book. That's amazing. Isn't Never that? turned back. I,
0: yeah. w- I remember that. That is an extraordinary. Yeah. B- they still get that award. Ever? No, no. That was extraordinary. Yeah,
1: it was uh, to me too. I mean, it was like I got this letter. You have won. Please come to Toronto and pick up your fifty thousand bucks. And that. <laughs> Holy crow, and that, of course, good I would say. And I, you know, I, you know, I feel sorry, so sorry for the thousands who have to sort of work their way slowly up. You know, they might get a, a short story in Prison Magazine or here and there, okay. and finally. So I was, I was very, very lucky.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. I enjoyed. William Deverell is an acclaimed uh, novelist who has won the Arthur Ellis Award. Two times, and the Dashiell Hammett Prize for Literary Excellence in Crime Writing. Thanks again.
1: You're welcome.